We're supposed to be present in whatever situation we came to know Christ in so that we can manifest the reign, the rule, the kingdom of Jesus in that arena, in that place, in that sphere. And we do that by being connected to spiritual resources that we are then able to manifest in the physical realm. Hello friends and welcome. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the spiritual world. Now, this gets complicated pretty quickly because in the Bible, there is one word for spirit in Hebrew and there's a word for spirit in Greek, but the same word that means spirit can be talking about the Holy Spirit, it can be talking about an unclean spirit, it can be talking about a lying spirit, it can be talking about the spirit of a person. And to make it even more challenging in biblical Hebrew and Greek, there's no upper and lower case. So it's not like in English when we write spirit with a lowercase s, we know we're talking about not God. And when we write it with an uppercase s, we know we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Well, there's that doesn't exist in biblical Hebrew and Greek. And so when these verses are translated into English, there is kind of intrinsically some interpretation that happens and the translators have to make a choice. And uh, as readers, I think it's helpful for us to know that because there are times in our Bible translations when it's not clear that the original text is talking about the Holy Spirit, but the translator still chose to translate it uh, into English with a capital S. And there are times when perhaps it could be talking about the Holy Spirit and the translators chose to translate it into English with a lowercase s. And so I think it's helpful for us to be aware of that and to approach this with a certain amount of humility and to be prepared to not be too dogmatic about some of these concepts and to try and get a big picture that we can see established throughout the scripture without getting bogged down on one single verse that perhaps could be interpreted this way or that, but doesn't fit in to the overall picture that we see uh, painted for us in Scripture. So we're going to be going for a kind of broad brush strokes in understanding what it means to live according to the Spirit and to walk in the Spirit and to understand this invisible realm that is the spiritual realm. So let's start with a passage of scripture that illustrates for us both the visible and invisible realities of the world that we live in. This is from 2 Kings chapter 6, famous passage where Elisha and his servant are surrounded uh, by these soldiers from Syria who are coming to capture them and to kill them. So the king of Syria thinks that there's a spy in his midst because Israel always knows what his plans are. And one of his servants tells him, no, it's Elisha, he's a prophet in Israel, and he tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And so he sends all of these horses and chariots and a great army, it says in verse 14, to surround the city where Elisha is staying. And Elisha's servant wakes up early in the morning and he goes out and he sees all of these servants and he says, alas, my master, what shall we do? Because they are surrounded. And Elisha answers him and says, Don't be afraid, for those who are with us are more 
than those who are with them, which probably didn't make any sense to his servant. But then Elisha prays and he says, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So this story illustrates the reality of these invisible forces, this invisible spiritual world that surrounds us every day as we go about our day. And for those of us who have grown up uh, with a Western culture mindset, we consider ourselves enlightened, modern, that we don't really believe in this spiritual stuff that angels, demons, invisible forces that science has no way of measuring or experimenting with. We uh, generally, our culture's Western culture at this point pretty much rejects this stuff out of hand. However, that is not the worldview of the Bible, and that is not what the Bible teaches us. In fact, interaction with the spirit realm was apparently quite common, so much so that in 1 John chapter 4, he has to tell the Christians, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many pro- false prophets have gone out into the world. So they're having interaction with these people who are coming and speaking by these different spiritual powers. You remember the story in Acts where the girl uh, is able to tell the future by a spirit and Paul cast it out of her. In Acts 16, 16, it says, As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. And Paul eventually uh, cast this spirit out of her. He says to her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. And that upsets the, the people who own this slave girl because they're not going to be able to use her to make any more money. And Paul ends up getting arrested. But we see that reality is more than what we were able to uh, taste, touch, feel, hear. You know, what? it's more than what we were able to measure with our five physical senses. In fact, we see Paul even uh, proficient in communing with other believers in the Spirit. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verse 4, he says, When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my Spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man over to Satan. So there was this person in the congregation who is acting immorally, and he's saying, look, we have to excommunicate this guy and give him over to the power of Satan so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. But So that's the core of this teaching, but he just kind of says in passing, hey, when you guys get together in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, then we'll deliver this man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. So this is some kind of spiritual communion that Paul was able to have with people with whom he was not physically present. He talks about it again in Colossians, in chapter 2, verse 5, he says, For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith. And so we tend to use this phrase like, um, you know, hey, I'm with you in spirit, I'm thinking about you while you're there. You know, I'm not with you physically, but my thoughts are with you. But I think when we Put that in context with what he talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul is talking about something at a different level when he says that I'm with you in spirit and I'm seeing you and I'm checking on you and I'm pleased that you're making progress 
in your faith. Think of it as Zoom for the first century. And this is not the most, you know, wild spiritual reality in the Bible. We have people being teleported in the Bible. If you remember Philip, uh, when he's baptized the Ethiopian, he's suddenly teleported to another city. He's carried away in the Spirit. Uh, The same thing happens to um, the disciples when they're in the boat with Jesus. It, It talks about that immediately they were translated, they were immediately arrived in the place that they were going. So there was this supernatural transportation that happened uh, to the disciples and to Jesus. Uh, we get another sneak peek behind the invisible curtain, so to speak, in 1 Kings chapter 22. And uh, Micaiah has had this vision, and he says, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall? at Ramath Gilead. And one said one thing and another said another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, by what means? And he said, I will go out and will be a lying spirit in the mouth of of all his prophets. And he said, you are to entice him and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster for you." So we get this sneak peek in the Old Testament behind the invisible curtain into the council of God, where he's holding counsel with these spiritual beings, and they are talking about their interaction with mankind. Now, Jesus tells the woman at the well that God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And we've talked about that a lot on this podcast, that we interact with God through our spirit. The Bible says that when we become a Christian, we get a new spirit, a born-again spirit, and that spirit is joined with the Lord, 1 Corinthians 6, 17. Proverbs 20, 27 says, the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all his innermost parts. So God has communion with us as a spiritual being because we also have a spirit. That's what it means to be made in God's image. And so we are able to be a multidimensional being. We have bodies made out of the dust of the earth where we can interact with people on earth. And we have a spirit that is eternal that can interact with God and with angels and even with the cloud of witnesses. So we see Jesus doing that when he interacts with Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. So this, you know, if we're able to accept that uh, Christ was born of a virgin and that he rose from the dead, accepting that there's a spiritual realm and that it is influencing the world around us should not be too big of a stretch for us. And so I mentioned 1 John chapter 4 says, don't believe every spirit. But James also tells us in James chapter 3 that uh, the tongue can even itself be set on fire by hell. So we can have evil spirits influencing us, or we can be under the influence of God's spirit, under the influence of the ministering angels, that we see angels ministering to Christ after his temptation. We see angels ministering to Peter in prison. Hebrews 13.2 says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. So just because we live in an era, in a culture that kind of snickers at such things, we should not be quick to dismiss them. As I mentioned before, if you can believe that Christ was raised from the dead, if you can believe that a virgin conceived and had a baby, believing in a spiritual world should not be that big of a stretch. And believing that it's powerful, that it's influencing us, that it's controlling 
the world that we live in should also be pretty easy to believe in. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And 1 John 5.19 says, We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So there's a spiritual dynamic in our realities, whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we pay attention to it or not, it's there and it's influencing people. And not only is it present, it is the controlling force that is influencing and shaping the physical world that we live in. Now, what does this have to do with our daily lives, with our day-to-day interactions, with going to school, talking with our family, going to work, so what? That there are angels and demons around us and influencing people and um, whatever. You know, why does it matter? Well, the reason it matters is because the resources of the kingdom of God start in the spirit. So if we are going to be about the things that God is about, we are going to have to attune our hearts to the realities of the spiritual world. Colossians chapter 3 says, If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. In John chapter 5 and verse 19, Jesus says, The Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son likewise does. So we have to tune our hearts. We have to get our vision open, like Elijah's servant's vision was open, to see the spiritual world. And as we do so, we will be empowered to take advantage of the resources of the kingdom of heaven that our Father has made available to us. And we will be powerful to manifest those spiritual resources in the physical world. Remember, we are the temple of God. The temple was the gateway, was the connecting point of heaven with earth. It was where the presence of God encountered the people of God on the earth. Well, now, the New Testament believer is that touch point for God's presence and God's kingdom on the earth. We are to manifest God's goodness to the world around us, and we are not called to do that out of our own strength. We are called to be resourced by heaven's government to manifest the reign of Christ in the the situations, in the circumstances that God has put us in. So Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 7.24, he says, Brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. So we are not supposed to necessarily come physically out of, away from the world, away from engaging with our neighbors and serving people and loving people. No, we're supposed to be present in whatever situation we came to know Christ in so that we can manifest the reign, the rule, the kingdom of Jesus in that arena, in that place, in that sphere. And we do that by being connected to spiritual resources that we are then able to manifest in the physical realm. And I believe that begins with God's wisdom, that when we have 
the wisdom of God, which he makes available to every believer, he says in James chapter 1, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, and God will give to him liberally. So the wisdom of God, to the, the starting point of manifesting the reign of God on the earth is to have the mind of God and to see things the way that God sees them. And God will give that to anyone who asks. And as we are faithful to live out God's purposes, as we're faithful to submit our lives to God's wisdom, we will be empowered and we can walk in the power of God the same way that Jesus did. In John 14, 12, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. I like uh, how Graham Cook says it. He says that Jesus saved all the best miracles for us. So Jesus says, After that, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that my Father may be glorified, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And you can listen to the series on uh Never an unanswered prayer that talks about what it means to pray in the name of Jesus. Because we know that any prayer we pray in the name of Jesus, he promises that he will do it. So it's important for us to understand what it means to pray in Jesus' name. You can go listen to that podcast. But for now, what I want to get across is that the spirit realm is essential for us to understand. It's essential for us to interact with so that we can manifest the reign of God on the earth. And so the Bible calls us to devote ourselves to prayer because that it's in prayer where we begin to tune our hearts to the melodies, to the sound, to the vision of heaven. And so we need to ask ourselves, how much time do I spend in the spirit? How much time do I spend conscious and aware of the things of the spirit versus how much time do I spend making myself just completely and solely aware of the earthly realm and and this world and completely focused on those things that I can perceive with my five senses. Because if we are so focused on the world that we perceive with our five senses, we'll become dull to the spiritual world and we won't be able to walk in the fullness of what Jesus Christ has purchased for us. Jesus Christ has purchased citizenship, more than that, even sonship for us in the kingdom of God, that we can walk on the earth as the sons of God. That's what Jesus bought for us on the cross. And so when we're adopted into his family, not only are we saved so that we go to heaven when we die, but we are called to manifest the reign of God on the earth in our lifetime. And that is the joy of being in tune with the invisible world of being aware of the spiritual resources that God has made available to us as he has made us co-heirs with his son, Jesus Christ. There's a great book. I, I don't know if it's, it is a book, but I have it as a PDF, and it's called The Spiritual World by Peter Tan. And I've tried to reach out to uh, Pastor Peter Tan. I haven't been able to get a hold of him. I came across his, I don't even know where I got this book from, I think maybe on his website, but when I try to go to his website now, it doesn't work. But if you can Google and find The Spiritual World by Peter Tan and download a PDF, it was super helpful to me just to kind of expand my imagination, to expand my mind, and to think about how the spiritual world works and what it's like. And again, I would encourage you to test everything by the scripture, and I'm sure that... uh 
Pastor Peter Tan's revelation is not perfect. It's not scripture. It's not, you know, it's it shouldn't become dogma. But I did find it very insightful and super encouraging and super inspiring to want to push in to understand that realm better so that I can be a better steward of the kingdom of God in my lifetime on the earth. Not just to escape and go and have visions and trances and uh, you know supernatural experiences for the sake of having those experiences, but to understand those things for the sake of the world now, for the sake of humanity that needs the power of the kingdom of God to manifest in their lives. There are countless billions of people who are desperate for the resources that the kingdom of God has to offer them, and yet they're ignorant of what's available to them. And so as believers, we are called to take that kingdom to them. As God sent Jesus, Jesus sends us, and we go into the world to represent the government of God, to let people see what God is like, to let people experience God's goodness, to experience deliverance from evil spirits, to experience healing, to experience forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. And we are called to be that to the world, to display that to the world. And to do so, we need to understand the spiritual world. And I love this book by uh, Peter Tan, Pastor Peter Tan, The Spiritual World. I wish I could get a hold of him. I I don't know where you, you can even buy the book. If you can't find it online, send me an email and I can send you the PDF that I have. Um, Again, I don't know if it's still available online, but it was very, very insightful for me. So I would recommend that to you. And as always, test everything and hold on to the good. So I hope this is uh, helpful for you. I hope maybe this inspires you to get into the spirit. You know, the, the Bible is so supernatural and sometimes we just overlook it and we brush those things aside. But all through Acts, we see Uh, Peter having trances, Paul has trances uh, in Revelation. John talks about seeing in the Spirit. I was in the Spirit. I was caught up. Paul talks about being caught up into the heavenly realms. And so these things are available to us. And we would be remiss not to receive the good gifts that God wants to give us. So I hope this is a blessing to you. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll talk to you soon. 